to another episode of Do Good, Feel Good. We have a very exciting guest here today who just sat with me through some technical difficulties. So shout out to Lauren. Yes, we have the same name. The first other Lauren on the podcast. Awesome. It's an honor. (laughs) So let me tell everyone a little bit about Lauren. Lauren is a dance and movement therapist in a private practice in Boulder, Colorado. With her training in somatic, is that correct? Did I say Yeah, correct? somatic. Somatic counseling, dance and movement meditation. She helps her clients deepen their self-awareness and live their best lives by connecting to their bodies and authentic desires and needs. In addition to working with individual clients and couples, she leads weekly group dance meditations and is a co-facilitator in the Women's Creative Empowerment Program, We Wild. Woohoo! Some of these themes you may have recognized from a previous episode, listeners, because she is friends with our friend of the pod, Lindsay Aronson. Mm-hmm. And these are like a lot of the stuff Lindsay does, like sensual eating or new concepts for a lot of our listeners. So I'm sure that you're going to dive into something similar today. Yeah, definitely. And I love the work that she does with sensual eating because even though it's pretty different, there's a a big crossover with what I do as well in terms of tuning into the body and the senses and just bringing that part of the experience into the forefront. So it's pretty fun kind of coming at that from a couple different angles. Awesome. So how did you get into this line of work? We're just going to dive right in. Yeah. And it's like, how much time you got? (laughs) life story. Um, Yes, tell us your life story, please. Leave up. Yes. Um, But the shorter version, I guess, is, you know, I've always been a dancer. I've always been participating in in some kind of dance throughout my whole life. So that's just been so central to what I love to do in the world and and my own personal development. Um, And then over time, I transitioned from like performance style dance into stuff that was a lot more free form and a lot more um, with a meditative focus rather than a, a performative focus. And that was really powerful and transformative to me to, to learn to like listen to my body in a different way and, and move in a way that um, felt really authentic and um, just really different from um, like choreography or something like that. So that was kind of what started me off on that journey was when I started training in movement meditation. And I think anyone who works with the body will tell you that, you know, there's such an immediate connection between body-based work, whether that's massage or movement or yoga or body work. Um, It connects really quickly to our mental and emotional experiences. And so it's kind of a natural progression for a lot of people to move from that type of thing into more of a counseling and therapy realm. Um, And for me specifically, somatic counseling is is what um, we call like body-based counseling, which really emphasizes the body and the body-mind connection and therapeutic work. So that's kind of how I I transitioned from the dance realm into kind of more free-form movement work and then eventually into more like formal um, somatic therapy, which kind of incorporates um, a lot of those pieces from my background. So 
that's kind of maybe a, a broad overview of, of how I got here. <laughs> no, that was awesome. I like, I know, I, I mean, dancers are like very in tune with their bodies. Whenever I'm trying to do a choreographed dance video or something on a like fitness class, I cannot, for some reason, my brain just can't speak to my body and tell my body to move in these certain ways. So I think even if you never thought that you were going to go into this meditative field, like your body maybe told you that you were. <laughs> yeah, well, and I think for me, what I gained from kind of the more formal dance settings was I, you know, I gained a lot of body awareness and also just a lot of joy in dancing and learning to move my bodies in, diff in different ways. And then over time, it kind of changed more from, oh, I'm going to learn to move in this particular style to listening to my internal sensations and, and letting the movement come from more within. So it's a different process, but I do think the training I had gave me a lot of just body awareness and a good foundation to go into that work, which... What did you study in college? Um, my undergrad was actually in religious studies and I focused in South Asian religions and studied a lot of Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism. Um, so in some ways that feels a little like left field. <laughs> um, I didn't end up going directly into that, you know, religious studies type of work um, after my undergrad. But I do find it relevant because I learned a lot about meditation and mindfulness and some of those concepts I definitely picked back up when I started going into movement meditation and, and dance therapy. I found that a lot of the work that I did in religious studies, which was more again around like mindfulness and meditation and, and different spiritual traditions, it connects in a way when you start getting into these practices. So um, yeah, very different than what I studied in my undergrad, but I, I do feel that there's a through line in some ways as well. Cool. So for all the people out there who don't know what somatic therapy is or what embodiment is, could you go into a little bit about what, what is embodiment? Yeah, absolutely. So somatic, literally that word just means um, like of the body. So soma is body and somatic is related to the body. So somatic counseling is really a style that emphasizes body sensation, body awareness, and postures, gestures, movement as being really relevant to mental health and your mental emotional experience. So it's pretty different than just talk therapy where you're gonna kind of stay more in the verbal realm. There's gonna be a lot of emphasis on uh, what are you feeling? What are you noticing in your sensations? How does that connect to your emotional experience? What kind of information might we get um, from your present moment experience of your body rather than just the story or the cognitive piece that's going on? And then embodiment is really related to that you might find a lot of different definitions of embodiment, so I, I won't speak for, you know, everyone's <laughs> opinion of this, but to me, embodiment is the process of listening to your body sensations and the things that you're feeling internally and letting that inform how you express yourself in the world and how you understand yourself and the decisions that you make. So, Again, a lot of that comes down to like a listening 
process, letting your experiences land physically and emotionally and paying attention to that. And then also using that as information that informs you know, where you go next in the world and, and what's important to you. I'm just taking some notes so I can, I can ask questions in a second. Yeah, no problem. My first question is like, I know in your, like the therapy room, like you can probably tell when someone's uncomfortable, but in your like personal life, when you're on a date or something, do you like pick up on body language? Yeah, I think <laughs> that nonverbal communication is really important and it's something that's happening all the time. And I think all of us are really picking up on all the time, but it's not always a very conscious process. So I think I do have a little bit more like conscious awareness of that happening um, based on my training. And so I do notice you know, subtle shifts and changes in people. And it certainly doesn't mean that I know what people are thinking or can read their mind or anything like that. <laughs> but, um, but I definitely do pick up on things like that. And I think a lot of the time it, it can more kind of cue towards what kind of reaction someone might be having or what kind of emotional experience might be going on. So, um, you know, it's, it's not, I don't really view it as a process of like, reading people super directly, but, um, but I do pay attention to that. And again, I think that's something that most people do pay attention to. It's just a matter of how conscious we are or not okay. of that, that process happening. So are you, when you meet with people, are you in like a, a traditional like therapy space or are, cause I know you also do dance therapy. Yeah. And dance therapy and somatic counseling can definitely kind of merge together in terms of what it looks like. Um, I have worked a lot in kind of traditional looking therapy rooms. The office that I have right now, I'm really happy to have a lot more open space for, for movement and um, uh, you know, getting up out of out of the seat, off of the couch, and, and doing different things in in the space that I have there. But you can really work with what you have. You know, you don't need a big dance studio. You don't have to be engaged in like large running across the room sort of movements. There's a lot that you can do working with the body, even if you're sitting in a chair, even if you're in a small space. So it's very adaptable depending on what's relevant to my client and what kind of space we have and, and their comfort level too, because people have uh, different comfort zones of kind of what they're interested in exploring and willing to explore when it comes to bodies and movement and things like that. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna keep writing down these questions. Yeah, no problem. Okay, I'm going to go down this list as well, and then I'll edit some of this like fluff out at the end. So I know people understand the, the concept of anxiety, and I'm sure we all feel it in our bodies in different ways. So like I know when I have anxiety, I feel like a tightness in my throat. I know you can't actually like give me like therapeutic advice right now, but like how do you tell people to be comfortable listening to their bodies and knowing how to like make shifts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, let me say a couple things and, and then we'll see if I'm answering your, your question okay. properly I, or not. By the way, listeners, it's been a long day. So we're, getting, <laughs> we're working together as Lawrence and it's going to be great. It is, it okay. is. Um, 
So to use that example of, I agree with you, I think a lot of people feel anxiety as a really physical emotion. So that's a good example. And I hear people talk about uh, throat sensations, chest sensations, gut sensations, muscle tension. Those are often the things that I hear associated with anxiety. And I would say the first thing working with kind of the physical sensation of that you noticing and describing the sensation that you're actually feeling can help, uh, first of all, become help you become more aware of it, maybe notice things that are making you anxious a little earlier than you might otherwise. So part of it is like building the body awareness. So maybe you notice the sensation when it's a little bit more subtle as opposed to when it's like screaming at you. So that can be helpful for people. They can, you can kind of notice when you might be triggered a little bit earlier in the process. And the other thing that's really good about noticing those sensations and describing them a little bit is it can actually bring you more into the present moment and what you're feeling and create a little bit of space around what the story is. You know, anxiety tends to often be about things that are happening or going to happen or, or stress that's coming up. So coming back to the sensation of it gives you something to focus on and also can kind of loosen your, your grip on the, the story that might be running really wild in your head. Um, now, focusing on that sensation can also be really challenging for people because it might be really uncomfortable and it might feel even stronger when you focus on it. So there's also um, a process of kind of building tolerance for that, of focusing on it a little bit at a time and over time being able to maybe tolerate that sensation a little bit more so that it's not so distressing when it happens. So that's kind of an example of a few different ways that you might work with that um, in kind of a somatic way. Um, and repeat, tell me again the other part of your question. I feel like there was a second part to well, that. There was, that like, I forgot. there was like 13 parts of that. <laughs> <laughs> do, um, now I'm going to add a different question on. So okay, offer, okay. Do you ever offer like actual exercises people can do physically um, when they're feeling those anxious or any type of like unpleasant physical sensation? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, um, a lot of what I do is like not so prescriptive because I think all of the sensations and body experiences that we have are so subjective. So in some ways, I, I hesitate to give people like really specific, like do this and you'll feel better. It's like never that simple. Um, on the other hand, especially if we're talking about anxiety, you know, a lot of this also comes down to nervous system regulation and like how do we calm our nervous systems or reground ourselves when we're feeling unsettled. And then in that case, there actually is a lot of really specific exercises that you can do that are pretty simple that use the body just to help like calm the whole system down. Um, those could be things like particular breathing practices I give to people a lot. Um, I'm not like a yoga instructor or anything like that, but like things like any kind of movement, stretching, balancing poses tend to be really good for like bringing your focus back to uh, the body in the present moment and kind of getting out of your head a little bit more. Um, 
there's also things you can do with um, like you know, physical contact of like squeezing maybe your own arms or tapping particular parts of the body. So there's a lot of kind of um, tools and tricks that you can use if we're talking about nervous system regulation and just like how to ground and how to calm yourself when you really need it. So those are the types of things that I usually like give to people more as tools or things to practice. And that's, I almost do that kind of more in the practical realm of like coping skills, right? And using the body to, to develop some really useful coping skills. And then there's the other end of it, which is more the subjective exploration of like, what's the sensation? What's the emotion? Uh, how do you interpret it? Where is it coming from? You know, using the sensations to kind of deepen your your personal insight into what you're feeling. And in that case, you know, there's no easy tricks for that one. That's more of a, a deep subjective process that you can go through in a, a therapeutic setting. I think this is also interesting. Like I'm, because I know that so many emotions are associated, like your body feels pain, like as a result of like emotional trauma mm -hmm. so, or like stress can build in your system and have like physical effects. Absolutely. So, this is super interesting. Um, but before I seek, like end up making this actually a therapy session for myself with these questions, <laughs> um, can we talk a little bit about your involvement with dance and um, how dance can increase self-awareness? Absolutely. So in addition to the more formal therapy sessions that I do, I do lead dance groups also. And um, right now I have a dance meditation group that I lead on Sunday evenings. That's online, of course, pandemic times. It's been online for a while. Um, and I love dance as a practice to increase body awareness, increase embodiment, and also increase your own authentic self-expression. Because when you're dancing, especially if it's in a more kind of meditative setting rather than like a choreography type of setting, it's really a practice of like listening to what you're feeling and then asking yourself, like, how does that want to move? How do I want to move with this emotion or this feeling or this thought that I'm having? Like, how would that express out in the body? So it's this kind of tuning in and expressing out and tuning in and expressing out and seeing how you feel and then letting that move through you in, in dance you know, and with, with music and, and with spatial awareness and whatever else you want to bring in. Um, and that really, I think, is a microcosm for what we're doing in our lives all the time. Like, how do we listen to ourselves and then move into action and then listen to ourselves and move into action and listen to what we want and make a decision or listen to what we want and set a boundary. So it's this like inner outer flow back and forth. And that's what I really see in dance meditation is this like deep listening to the self and then expressing it outward. And that process, when you're practicing that in a dance setting, I think it, it directly translates to pretty much anything else that we might want to be doing, where we want to be true to ourselves, or we want to be authentic, or we want to feel like we're showing up in a way that feels like who we really are. You know, we need to listen to what we're really feeling and then practice expressing that in some way that makes sense in our context in the world. So 
I think it's a, a great practice ground for that kind of embodiment in our daily lives. You actually answered that one question that we forgot. Um, you worded it a lot better than I did. It was about like using what you're feeling to set boundaries. So, yeah. so that was awesome. Thanks for touching on cool. that. <laughs> um, and my next question is, do you feel like people seem more comfortable participating in these dance meditations like virtually versus in real life? You know, that's such an interesting question. I had an interesting experience recently where um, I have a few friends who have been coming to my online sessions. And then because we've been vaccinated recently and I took a, a trip to, to visit where they are. And so um, we did one of the online dance sessions while I was there with a different teacher, um, but we did it together in the same room. So we still called up, you know, the Zoom call in the group, but then there were three of us in the room. And for me, you know, I started doing those meditation sessions in an in-person group setting. So for me, it's like, oh, we're going back to, you know, how it is supposed to be. But for them, they'd only done it online. And so all of a sudden they were like, oh, I'm actually feeling so self-conscious that I'm like actually in the room with people, <laughs> right? And so it's just this really interesting thing where I do think it's a different experience. And, you know, some of the so more social dances, it, I think, it's really hard to translate them into a Zoom setting because like you want to connect with people and it's just, it doesn't quite feel the same. But in a meditation session, it's all inward focus anyway. And so I think for a lot of people that has actually felt maybe more freeing or more comfortable to like be in your living room and not have other people around and maybe you're not even quite on camera some of the time, you know, and um, I do think that that has really worked well for some people compared to like showing up into a group setting. Um, but at the same time, you know, there, there is an extra energy that happens when you have everyone doing that practice together. And so I miss that, but I do think there are some advantages to people who feel less comfortable showing up into a, a, a group. Yeah, I think personally, even if I was trying to be in a meditative state, like in an I. I led a virtual conference, so I always say IRL, like in, but in an in real life setting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would still be like self conscious about like, should I actually be doing this move? I wouldn't really be like letting my body express itself fully. I don't think so. Maybe it would be like a good segue to like do it on Zoom, introduce one person with me in real life, and then make my way to the in. Do you think you'll continue the virtual sessions after we're all back and integrated in society? You know, I actually think that I will continue the in-person, or sorry, the virtual sessions. Um, I've actually found it to be pretty fun, and I have a lot of people that come to my virtual sessions that are all over the place and not local to where I am. And I think that actually makes it more fun because then the group that is there, like it literally wouldn't be possible for all of us to be doing that together in person, so it doesn't have that quality of like, oh, I wish we could just go out. It's like, well, they're all over. So um, it feels kind of more special that like, wow, we're all connecting from these different places. How cool that we can do this. So I, I am planning on continuing those virtual classes and I'm hoping to, you know, at some point when it's appropriate to add back in the in-person ones as well. But it has been fun to be able to have people from all over, all over the place coming together for that. 
Um, and yeah, you know, I think that's definitely one option if people are feeling more comfortable in their living rooms to maybe start that way and then venture out to, to something else. But I also think, you know, this theme around feeling self-conscious or like what I should be doing or, or what are people thinking of me, you know, that's something I hear from people all the time, all the time, all the time. So I would first say, don't worry, it's totally normal. Like everyone feels that when they start out. And I also think it's something to work with. You know, that gets to be part of the experience. Like how do you move when you're feeling self-conscious? Do, you, do your movements get smaller? Do you notice that you're taking up less space or do you wanna go like crawl into the corner or something? You know, what, what is that like to actually embody the self-consciousness and let yourself really have that experience? And, and to also notice the thoughts that are coming up, like, these ideas about should I be doing something or what are people thinking of me? It's like all of our patterns and insecurities and things that probably come up in our heads every day. It's like, boom, there it is spotlighted in that moment. And so it's something to, to work through, I think. And I think that as people practice more and more, they get more and more comfortable and, and they do open up and, and they notice that some of those layers shedding away. But it can also be really interesting part of the process to see like what are the fears or anxieties that start coming up from you when you enter into a space like that. Yeah, I feel like I just went on like a spiral in my mind of like all the anxieties that I would have and what I would think when I was feeling certain ways. Yeah. So I can see how it would be super helpful um, yeah, I would, so how often do you lead the online meditation dances? And also, is this kind of like an ecstatic dance type situation or like, what are the themes of the classes? Yeah, so I lead those once a week on Sunday evenings. I'm mountain time. So it's 630 mountain time, um, every Sunday online and, um, in some ways, it's similar to an ecstatic dance in the sense that like it's totally free form. There's there's no choreography. There's no right or wrong way to move. It's it's just your you and your body expressing and and there's music that I put together that goes through a pretty specific arc of um, just different vibes that we're going for at different parts of the meditation. And then I'm also doing verbal guidance throughout. So I'll kind of cue people to suggest things to focus on or like different themes to try, to try out as we go along. Um, so there's kind of some support um, in, in the, the meditative part of it as well. Um, and again, it's, I think one thing that makes it kind of different from a static dance is that it's really inwardly focused. So if you feel comfortable, you can close your eyes or just like kind of take a soft gaze. So you're really focusing inward rather than looking around your space, um, really focusing on how you're feeling, what sensations you're noticing, and then letting that move in in whatever way it wants and of course you're also responding to the music so that's supportive um so it usually goes kind of through of an arc of like your energy will rise and it will get kind of exciting for a while and then it will kind of calm down and go into more of a still kind of savasana type of space near the end um and people generally say that it's very freeing and they experience kind of different interesting experiences and pieces of insight that will come up for them while they're moving, you know, and there's so much happening too in, 
in the brain and the way that our, our neural pathways connect in different ways when we're in movement. So I think there's a lot of clarity that tends to come up for people in that process. Um, not to mention just, you know, letting off a lot of steam and stress and kind of giving some, some movement medicine to the body as well. I'm definitely interested in this. So yeah, you should come. <laughs> this weekend is the um, season finale of American Idol on Sunday, so I won't be able to attend. But <laughs> Priorities. Yes, I'll be there. It sounds really great. Okay, now I will segue into We Wild. Yeah, so We Wild stands for Women Empowering Women via Intuition, Love, Dance, and Expression. And it is an eight-week program for women that's totally focused on empowerment, embodiment, and creative expression. So I'm a co-facilitator in this program along with um, four other women that run it. Um, and there's an art therapist. Obviously, I'm a dance therapist. There's a sex and relationships coach. There's a vocal coach. And there's a sensual sovereignty mentor. And we each lead a different week of the program um, in our area of expertise. So the week that I lead is all about embodiment practices and dance and this process that we were talking about of like, how do we listen to ourselves and practice expressing that out? Um, in the world in an authentic way. So again, that's so related to both being true to ourselves, but also our creative expression and our creative process and kind of the goals that we have and the projects that we want to manifest out into the world. Um, so that program is coming up. It's open for enrollment right now. And I think um, we are headed for a June start date, early June for our next uh, round for the summer program. And that's going to be an online program at this point still. So it's open to people from all over. Um, you don't have to be in, in Colorado for that one, which is, again, another nice kind of advantage. <laughs> what is sensual sovereignty? Sensual sovereignty. Yeah. So this is not my department, so I don't want to speak too much. Um, the, the woman who is a sensual sovereignty mentor, her name is Amy. Um, and my understanding, I'm sure she will explain it you know, way better than me, if you can get her on here too. Um, I think it's another take on embodiment, really, of this process of really listening to your body and sensation. And I think the emphasis that she puts on it in terms of sovereignty is um, really owning that as something that is yours, something that you can draw power from, something that you are in charge of, um, which can be really different for people who have experienced maybe a lot of control over their bodies or violence towards their bodies or boundary violations or things that, you know, where they haven't really been in charge of what's happening to them. I think it's about taking back some of that power and ownership over the body and the sensations and um, the experience of that that is that is really yours and for for you and not for anyone else so she has her whole own approach to particular practices that she uses to guide people into that sort of space so again the embodiment theme is really strong in in her work 
um, as well as I think all of the women who are involved in We Wild. And each one kind of has a little bit of a different take on it, which I love because it gives you a lot of different opportunities to uh, to connect with the concept of embodiment from like different angles. So I think people will resonate with different teachers in the program and get a kind of a breadth of different ways of approaching this. The website is also very beautiful. Oh, website. yeah. Thank you. Um, I had nothing to do with creating it, but thank you. I'm so glad. I, I think it's beautiful too. <laughs> so how, like, what is the time commitment for this program for someone that wants to join? Eight weeks long. And I think there is like a break in the middle. So I think it ends up being like nine weeks. It's eight session, but it's eight sessions, okay. but it's nine weeks long. And it is a two hour group session that's going to be on Thursday evenings. So it'll be 630 to 830 on Thursday evenings. And Ooh, what's our, I think June 3rd is our start date for that. This is very cool. So there's the two hour workshop every week. And then there's also some at home explorations and practices that people will work with in between as well. So it's, it's a pretty deep process. And the last group that we saw go through it, um, you know, really got a lot out of it and really some beautiful creative projects and personal insights. And, you know, if you, if you really put in the, the time and the energy into it, you know, it was so transformative for the women that we saw in the last program. Do the women who are involved have like a focus group or like a, a little forum where they can connect as well? Or is it like kind of everyone's on their own individual path aside from being in the same workshops? Um, I'm not sure I understand your question. Do you mean like after the program, do they stay connected or like well, during? During the program, do they have like opportunities to connect with each other? Ah, okay. Um, you know, I think the main connection is during the group workshops, um, but there is also an online classroom and there's a Facebook group and there's some other ways that we um, do try to give people a chance to connect with each other for sure. I mean, that's part of the idea of the program is women empowering women. And we want to give people a community where they connect with people who are on a similar path and they can support each other and inspire each other. So that connection between the group members is you know really one of the goals and the emphasis of of the whole program of really wanting to create this community that we hope that people will stay involved with after the fact, you know, coming out of the program, we still have um, like monthly workshops and a Facebook group and things like that, that we hope people will stay engaged with even after the program ends. That's amazing. Okay, well now I have a lot of things to look into. Um, yeah. <laughs> what is something that people listening to the podcast can do going forward in the next week? Is something you want to encourage them to do with their bodies or anything? Yeah, I would say move, <laughs> movement. And, and I mean, for me, this is dance. I love dance. I'm a dancer, right? And you could be dancing around your living room. You don't, you don't even have to come to an event, you know, put on some music, move your body however you want. And if you're like, oh my gosh, that's not my jam, pick something else, you know, go for a run, do some yoga, um, really anything like movement is so, so good for 
releasing stress, moving through emotions, moving through difficult experiences and traumas, um, and also just the the mood boost that comes out of it. You know, it has a really big impact on mental health. If you're experiencing anxiety or depression or anything like that, you know, having some sort of movement routine, even if it's small, it doesn't have to be like big exercise routine, but literally like walking, dancing around in your living room, things like that have such a huge benefit mentally and physically and emotionally. And I really believe that that really helps us move and process a lot of things that we're going through, even if it's on a subconscious level, you know, you don't have to always be in like the analytical sorting it out mentally mode. Like sometimes you can just let your body move and, and let the energy flow through you and it's going to be really beneficial. So if I could give people one homework assignment, I would say pick some form of movement and try to integrate it on a regular basis, whether that's weekly or daily, whether it's five minutes or an hour, you know, whatever feels manageable. I think that will make such a huge difference. Thank you. I'm going to do yeah. this right now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, here's a question that I did not put in the questions, but what would you say your life mission statement is? Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> my mission, I think my personal mission at this point in time is to be as authentic and true to myself as I possibly can. And I think that also overlaps into my mission in my work, which is to help other people be as authentic and true to themselves as they possibly can. So I think that's the only way to really be happy and, and enjoying our lives is if we're really in touch with ourselves and what we actually feel and what we actually want. So that's what I am always working on. And that's what I also hope my, uh, my work will, will encourage in other people. Yay. Yay. <laughs> it's hard to be authentic. So it is, it is a lifelong journey. Yeah especially since we're always changing, you know, what's authentic for me today is probably not what will feel true and authentic in 10 years. So it's, it takes practice in the first place, you know, to, to feel that at all, I think. Um, and it also requires you to constantly tune in over time because we change. Yeah. I feel like people who are into like the meditative space or uh, there have been a few people on the podcast who say, right now my life mission statement is like it's not a definitive thing so I think it's yeah. cool <laughs> like I always wonder like what are people gonna say um but that's yeah, awesome. yeah. That's like very <laughs> encouraging so how can people find you on social media how would people connect with you if they're interested in maybe taking a session or doing a meditation class yeah absolutely so my business and my website is um, at naturalembodiment.org. 
And on my website, there's a lot of information about the therapy services that I also, that I offer. Um, but there's also information about the movement meditation, which is called Dance Mandala. So if you go to the Dance Mandala section on my website, you'll find all of um, the information that I was talking about of the, the Sunday dances. And there's also information on my website about We Wild. So you can go check that out there as well. And I'm not, I don't do a lot of social media, but I am on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash natural embodiment LLC. And that's where I um, post my blog posts and events that are coming up and other things that I think will be helpful for people. So that's another way to connect. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to link to this website and I'll do like a special link also for like the, the Facebook group and people will flock. Not really, but those are <laughs> growing every day. So there's a chance. Wonderful. I'll at least recruit one person to do the dance class with me because it seems very fun. For the yeah, yeah, you should come. Absolutely. I'll be there every Sunday. So I'd awesome. love to have you. Well, thank you, Lauren. Have fun in Colorado where it's going to be daylight for longer than it is here. Yeah, we still got a few <laughs> hours here. <laughs> so much, Lauren. So nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you.